0: Buddy, I don't know if you guys remember me. My name is Phil. I'm the senior pastor here. Um, I have been, uh, I've been off for like the last month, and uh, uh, as I kind of reengaged, uh, you know, was back at work this week. Um, I actually I was just thinking about a lot of things that I'm thankful for. You know, just thinking about my life, thinking about what God is doing. So, a couple things. Um, First of all, one of the reasons that I like to take all my vacation at the same time is because my wife is a school teacher and so she's got the summer off and so it's nice for us to have a block of time together. And, And so we spent a lot of time together. We traveled together. We hung out together. We sat on the back deck together. And after 30 years of marriage, my wife is still a great hang. I mean, just really, we had a great time together and I'm just so thankful for that. The other thing that I'm thankful for is did you guys enjoy hearing from all of the different staff pastors who were here at the church? Isn't that amazing? So, so when when I was talking to some of my pastor pals and they knew I was out of the pulpit for five weeks, uh, they were like, well you're gonna have a lot of guest preachers come in and it's like, we don't need no guest preachers. We got we got, you know, and so for you guys to have an opportunity. To just see uh, all the, the people that God has given us to, to lead various ministries and, and to carry significant roles in this church and get to see, like, you know, their, their gifting and, and their heart for God and their wisdom. Uh, I know that was just, just really, really a blessing. So I want to thank all of them and just want to thank God that, that He's given us just so much here at the church, you know, such a great team. And, uh, and then the, the last thing that I was thinking about was just how excited I was to come back. You know, I was not when, when I I did have a funny thing when my alarm went off on Tuesday morning, I was, I hit the snooze button a couple times and I was still with a little jet lag because I was in California. And I was kind of in that like half asleep, half awake thing. And I'm like, what do I have to do today? Am I playing golf? are we going to the beach? What? Am I in California still? And it's was like, oh, no, no, I'm going to work. Um, but that was not for those, you know, for the old, old people here who remember that old commercial. Remember Time to Make the Donuts, the Dunkin' Donuts commercial? It wasn't that at all. It was like I'm ex- I was excited to come back. Uh, just just really, just really thankful for the life God has given me, the opportunity to do life with you guys, and, and all the things that I think God is going to be doing in the, in the weeks and months and years ahead. So, so anyway, so I'm, I'm back, I'm tanned, I'm rested. My golf game's a little bit better. Could be better, but it's it's on. It's progressing, and uh, and I'm just just really glad to be back. What I'm gonna what I'm gonna do uh, this morning, or actually through the month of August, is I'm going to pick up the sermon series that I started back in May. Which is a verse by verse journey through the book of James. Uh, for many many years, what I would do in August after I came back from vacation is we would do God in Film, uh, but we did that after Easter this year, and uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna finish for the month of August. We're gonna continue just going through the rest of the book of James. And if you remember, you know we've covered a lot of really good stuff uh, through the through the weeks leading up to the summer. James. Is, is called by a lot of people the Proverbs of the New Testament because, you know, Proverbs is a book of wisdom and James really gives us a lot of practical wisdom. So we've covered things like how to deal with trials and temptations in our lives. You know, what, what exactly are the trials and difficulties? How do we deal with it? We talked about our relationship to the Bible, how the Bible can strengthen us, can really give us like what we need in life, the truth that we need to stand on. We talked a lot about how to treat people in some, in some different ways. Some Different ways, what real faith looks like, uh, heavenly wisdom, lots of really good practical stuff. And so today, we're going to look at a section of Scripture. That tells us how we should think about the future. Because we all think about the future. And I think Americans are kind of unique in the way that we that we, we're always thinking about the future. We're fascinated with the future. We love like science fiction movies that show us what life could be like a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now. And I think even especially, you know, after this last year and a half, dealing with everything with the pandemic, we, we, we kind of, you know, we lost that illusion of control that we have in our life where we think that we can just, you know, assume what like tomorrow is going to be like. And, um, and, and, and so I, I think that, uh, that it's really important for us to, to understand as we think about the future and as we think about, you know, what's to come, that we think about it biblically, and so I want to look at this, uh, this passage from, from James chapter 4, uh, verses 13 to 17, and, and what we're going to see here is that James will identify three wrong ways to think about the future, and so we're going to kind of walk through that. So if you want to open up your app and go to the fill-in-the-blank notes, you can follow along and, and see all the scriptures, and, and, uh, and then you can email that to yourself so you have it if you want to save it. Um, So we're going to identify wrong ways that we think about the future and then identify within the text what the right way is to think about the future, to deal with the future. So starting uh, verse 13 in chapter 4, James writes, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this, this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So let's start with what's the very first thing that we see here, right? The very first mistake that we we make when we're thinking about our future, the first is planning without God. Planning without God, James four thirteen. he says, listen, you who say today, or tomorrow, we're going to go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Now, now, James gives this like illustration of some business people in Jerusalem making a business plan, right? And so what they say is, is all right, we got it all figured out we're going to go to this city, we got this business model, we're going to make a lot of money, it's going to be really good. But what you realize here, there isn't a single mention of God in the entire business plan, right? There's no mention of God. It's like, we got it all figured out. We're going to do this, then we're going to do that. It's going to work out great. Everything's going to be up and to the right. Now, planning is a good thing, right? The Bible is really clear that we need to, we need to plan. Planning is not bad, Right Jesus he talked about that uh, that if we're going to build a house we got to like make sure we got enough material to kind of finish the house we got we got a plan but we need to be aware that there is this thing that runs through all of our hearts and all of our minds it's this like desire for self-sufficiency We want to be captain of our own ship. It runs deep in each of us. It's All throughout our lives, human history, you can trace it all the way back to the fall of Adam and Eve. You can go even further back and see it in the rebellion of Lucifer, the rebellion of Satan. There's something inside of us that says, you know what? I want to kind of live life on my own terms. I want to be captain of my own ship. I want to make my own plans. I But we need to remember God, and we need to include him in all things. And that is true for our individual lives. That is true for our families. That's definitely true for our church. It's true for our country. It's true for our world. I came across this historian this week, this guy named Alexander Saul, who researched the Soviet Union, did like a deep dive into the Russian Revolution. He said this. He said, since I have spent well nigh 50 years working on the history of the Russian Revolution, in the process I've collected hundreds of personal testimonies, read hundreds of books, contributed eight volumes of my own, but if I were, to, if I were asked today to formulate as precisely as possible the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million Russians, I could not put it more accurately than to repeat the, pra- the phrase, men have forgotten God. What is more, if I were called upon to identify the principal trait of the entire 20th century, I would be unable to reflect anything more precise than this statement, men have forgotten God. And so the 20th century was the bloodiest century we've ever seen. 110 million people were killed in in the world wars, the conflicts that we had. But what was interesting, though, if you look historically, people thought in the 20th century that they were throwing aside the shackles of this, like, archaic belief in God, and we were going to come into this utopian kind of existence. But things went from bad to worse because humanity forgot God. And it concerns me as I think about, you know, we're 21 21 years into the 21st century, it seems like we're we're even moving further in that direction, that we're forgetting God more and more, and it's not going to work out well. It's not going to work out well for our world. It's not going to work out well for our country. But what James is saying here to us as individuals is that we have to be careful. We have to be careful. It's real easy for us to sing a song like we sang, one of my favorite worship songs we sang this morning, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation, right? We can sing that song on Sunday, but then go on with the rest of our week and just kind of forget about God. You know, are we, are we just kind of giving lip service to that? But when it gets to Monday and it gets to all of the decisions we make at work and decisions we make about our life and about our family and about how we're going to spend our time and about what we're going to do that really we kind of go to that self-sufficiency, and we just kind of assume that, well, we're going to do what we want to do, or maybe what we do is, is we say that, uh, you know what, I've got my plans, and maybe I'll ask God to bless my plans. But James is saying, no, you've got to do more than that. Jesus really needs to be in the center of our lives, that we need to be intentional, like Monday through Friday, like all throughout our lives at every level, the way that we show up at work, the the goals that we have for our family, just the way that we spend our time, that Jesus is truly in the center of our lives. And so the solution is just very simply, we need to remember God in all things. We need to remember God in all things. James 4.15, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And so what I have found in my life over the last, you know, however many years, that if I am intentional about really saying, okay, God, not only do I want you to bless my plans, God, I want to see what you're up to. God, I want to know what you're doing in the world. And I want to, I want to be a part of that. The more I do that, the better my life is. Doesn't mean the easier my life is. But what it does though, is it gives me a strength. It gives me a focus. It gives me a purpose that I can't make get anywhere else. And it makes all the difference. And I want to say this too, because One of the things that we're seeing in our culture right now with, you know, the last year and a half that we've had and the pandemic, and then there's the vaccine, and now there's the Delta variant, and you're hearing about breakthrough infections and all of this, like what's happening as the illusion of kind of control has been stripped away, people's anxieties through the roof. I mean, like statistically, like you know that. You probably know your anxiety levels are higher. Maybe you've got some family members who are really, really struggling. But statistically, you know, Americans, people all over the world, are stressed out. People are afraid. People are, are really having a, good, uh, a difficult time because we're facing the reality that life is pretty iffy. Life is precarious. And so if we are intentional about putting God in the center of our life, and including him in all of our plans and everything that we do, it's going to make a really big difference when we say, Okay, God, my life, my day, my plans, all of it is in your hands. Christians, for hundreds of years, there was this tradition where when they were writing a letter, they would, they would after they signed their name, they would put the initials DV at the end of every letter. And DV stood for the Latin phrase, Dio Valente, which means Lord willing. And so that would be a really good thing for us to get back in touch with, that we just understand that we depend upon God, we include him in all things. Proverbs 16, 9 says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And so that leads us to the second mistake that we can make, presuming about tomorrow. Presuming about tomorrow, in other words, we have this tendency to kind of think that we're going to live forever. Now so, you know you know you're not going to live forever, but we just kind of think, well, I got you know 20, 30, 40, 50 years, whatever. I got I got all the time in the world. There's this tendency that we have, and James he calls that out at verse 14. He says, listen, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And so we shouldn't presume about our future. Don't make assumptions for a couple of reasons. One. It's because life is unpredictable, right? You don't know what's going to happen. Like, you know, you make plans for next year or the next second. You don't know what's going to happen tonight. I mean, we, we really don't know what's going to happen. We can't assume anything. There are no guarantees. And as I said, this past year and a half really taught us that. And a lot of people are freaking out as a result of it. You don't know if there's, you know, if there's a drunk driver in your future. You don't know if there's gonna be a trip to the doctor's office that could kind of, you know, a diagnosis that could change everything. You don't know if there's gonna be some global thing or some, we don't know, it's all unpredictable. And so many people nowadays are freaking out and they're anxious, but we don't have to freak out. We don't have to be anxious. What we need to do, we need to let the reality of the uncertainty of life, and not presuming upon the future, Don't let it be something that causes you to freak out and be afraid. Let it be something that really drives you to Jesus. Let it be something that makes you say, okay, I am going to be really intentional. I'm going to lean on the Lord. I'm going to trust in Him. I'm going to rely upon Him. And let me just say this, that maybe there's, you know, a number of you that are are here in the room or those of you who are watching online, maybe like right now you're really stressed about something. Like there's, there's stuff that's going on maybe in, in, in your heart, in your family, in your job. What, we know there, the fears of Delta or whatever it is that you just, I think what God wants you to know, and he wants to speak to your heart this morning and just say, listen, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just know that I am big enough. I can deal with all of the interruptions and all of the surprises. You know that, that old saying, we don't, we don't know what tomorrow holds but we know who holds tomorrow. And when that becomes like a reality, when that becomes the foundation of our life, it makes all the difference. And so life is unpredictable. The other thing that James is saying here is that life is short. Life is really short. He says it's a mist. The Greek word is atmos. That's where we get the word atmosphere. And so he's basically saying it's like it's like a fog that kind of rolls in and then rolls out. So last week I was in California, and I, I actually I got this like once in a lifetime opportunity uh, to play golf at Pebble Beach, which was amazing. I don't know if there are any golfers out here, but that's kind of like you know the the the, the promised land. And uh, and so uh, it was interesting though, and the Monterey Coast in California, is that in the morning I would get up early because I was on East Coast time. And, uh, and everything was just covered in fog. You know, there's just this thick, thick fog. And you'd be like, I'm not even going to be able to see the golf ball. Sometimes it's hard to see the golf ball anyway because it goes in different directions. But, but, uh, you know, but what was so interesting is within an hour, it would all burn off. And then it would be sunny and it would be bright. That's what the Bible says our life is like. It's like a fog and then it just kind of, just kind of disappears. So the analogies that the Bible uses all throughout the Bible about our life is basically that time is really, really short. You know, life is, it says it's like a leaf or it's like the grass or it's a shadow, a cloud, a puff of smoke, a vapor, a mist. It's really short, right? I mean, we go from the high chair to the wheelchair pretty quick. And I know, listen, I don't care how old you are, you've had had a birthday where you've been like, how did that happen? Right? Where, you know, maybe you turn 30 and you're like, I'm an adult now. Like what, when did I become an adult? You know what I get now? I get in the mail now on a regular basis, things from AARP. What is that about? So the very first time I ever got something from my wife, who's like a real wise guy, um, she she enjoyed that. She's like, Phil, something came for you in the mail. And I, I was like, this must be a mistake. I mean, what am I doing getting things? Because it, it, kind of, it kind of sneaks up on you, right? So we need to remember that life is short. Isaiah 56, 12 is this is this really interesting verse written, you know, 1,500, 1,600 years ago. Oh, no, I'm sorry, like 2,600 years ago. And, um, but it kind of describes the way a lot of people think right now. It says, come, each one cries, let me get wine. Let us drink our fill of beer. And tomorrow will be like today or even far better. That life is just going to go on and we can just party. We can just live up, you know, live it up. It's all good. Tomorrow's going to be just like today. It's probably even going to be better. Everything's going to be up and to the right in life. It's all good. And what James is saying is this is kind of a dumb way to live. And maybe there's, you know, someone here right now that I'm talking to. And this is, you know, if you're honest, it's kind of how you're living. You're just kind of about the party, just about having a good time. James says that's not the way to live. You can't assume anything about tomorrow. Proverbs 27, 21 says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Right? We don't know. So the solution is that we trust God for today. Jesus said this in a lot of different ways. The famous way that he said it is in Matthew 6, 34. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So just because, as I said, life is uncertain and life is brief, that doesn't mean we need to freak out doesn't mean we need to worry it doesn't mean we need to panic it's the motivation for us to trust god even more that we say god i'm going to put my entire life in your hands and again i just feel i just want to come back to what i said a moment ago i just i think that there are you know many all of us we came in here there's something that we're carrying there's some anxiety that we have there's some fear about the future Maybe it's you know something to do with your kids, maybe it's something to do with your health, maybe it's the economy, whatever it might be, that we would have the attitude that David had. David wrote this, Psalm 35, 15, he said, Lord, my days are in your hands. Lord, my days are in your hands. And if the the more that becomes real to us, we are going to, like the song we sang. We're going to be building our life on a sure foundation, a strong foundation. The winds and the waves of life will come. They will buffet our house, but the house will stand because it's built on a rock. It's built on a rock of knowing that Jesus is with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. And so the more we lean into that, the more strength, the more you lean into that truth, the more strength you're going to have for your life, And the less worry you're going to have for your life. You'll have the peace that passes all understanding. Which leads me to the last thing. And that's living for the wrong things. Living for the wrong things. Verse 17, James writes, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So if you know the good that you should do, but you don't do it, James says that's sin. Now that's not really how we usually think about sin. We think about sin, uh, we think of it, it's, it's doing bad things, right? Doing things that we shouldn't do. Like somebody kills somebody, that's a sin. You know, lying, adultery, cheating, stealing, gossiping, that's a sin. Those are sins of commission. But James is talking about sins of omission. See, there are things that we're called to do. There are, there are things that our life is supposed to be about. Christianity is not just a list of do's and don'ts. Too many people, they think, listen, your friends who know you're a Christian, when they think about your life, they're just like, oh man, there's so much you can't do. Like you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't do that. And you know what, and it bugs me when I see people who are speaking, Christians who are speaking in the public sphere, who speak in such a way that it's like always just talking about what Christians are against. You know, Christians are against this, and Christians are against that, and Christians don't like these people or that. Let's not talk about what we're against. Let's not talk about what it is we can't do. Let's talk about what we're for. Let's talk about what it is we're called to. Because, see, here's the reality. (coughs) God redeemed your life. And then once he redeemed your life, what he did is he said, okay, now that I'm working in your life, I want you now to work with me as I bring my redemption to the whole world. That what we're for is that God would use us to bring his love and his grace and his mercy and his goodness and his truth into a really broken world. And what I have found in my life is that when I'm thinking about what I'm for, like the reason, you know, I'm just so thankful that like, you know, coming back to work this week, I'm excited about what God's called me to do. It's not like, okay, I got how many more years until retirement? I mean, I don't think like, I, what I think about is how many more years can I keep doing this? Like, like when, when will you guys say like, okay, Phil, time for someone else to have a turn? That's what I think about because I, you know, when I'm focusing more on what God is calling me to do, then I find that the things that I shouldn't be doing are a lot less attractive. I'm not thinking about them because I'm so excited about what God is up to in my life and, and what he's doing and, and seeing the kingdom of God come and seeing captives set free. We need to discover that. See, and that's what James is talking about. He's talking basically about procrastination, saying like someday, someday I'm going to do that. See, but again, you know, because we don't know what's tomorrow to what tomorrow is going to bring, we can't make assumptions about tomorrow. There are no guarantees. And maybe there's someone here who kind of has the mindset of, like, yeah, you know, I know that I should, should serve God, and I got to, you know, some things in my life, and and one of these days I'm going to do it. One of these days I'm going to get around to do it. What James is saying is don't think like that, right? Don't procrastinate. Don't make assumptions about tomorrow. And it's really, you know what, it's hard when you have a family, right? Maybe some of you, you've got a family, you got little kids, and you're like, well, you know what, my kids are little, and it's really busy and it's hard. So when they get a little bit older, then I'm going to get serious about God and I'm going to serve them and I'm going to walk in my purpose and all that good stuff. But then your kids get a little bit older. And it's like, well, now i got to take them to soccer practice and i got this, that, and the other thing uh, once they get to college. And then they get to college and it's like, well, college is expensive and now I'm getting these bills so I need a part-time job. Once they get out of college, once I retire, once I get, once this, once that, what James is saying is, no, listen, don't think that way. The solution that he offers is that we need to live on purpose. We need to discover God's plan and God's purpose for our lives. One of the things that I love to say, and I say it all the time because I think it's so powerful, and I think it's something that we don't really hear. We get it from the gospel. I don't think we're going to get it anywhere else. You're made on purpose for a purpose. And you need to discover that purpose and you need to walk it out. Mark Twain said this, the two most important days in your life are the day that you're born and the day that you find out why. And so we've got like, that's really important to us here as a church. We want to help you discover your purpose. And one of the ways that we do that is through the growth track. Pastor Charles was talking about the growth track. It's going to start in September. Step two of the growth track is about discovering your design discovering your spiritual gifts. We're going to help you discover the unique abilities, the gifts that God has given you. Maybe, you know, maybe you don't know what that is. And there's actually some tests and discussions and things that can help you discern what that is. And then once you discover what that is, then we're going to try to figure out ways that you can walk it out. You know, maybe ministries or ways that you can begin using what it is that God has given you. Maybe you, you know what your, what your purpose is. And though if that's the case, we want to help you walk in it. I love, I love what, what, Joel, what Joel is doing with his team because um, it's such an example of that. Joel came to me, you know, a while ago. He said, because he used to do this, 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 this ministry and, uh, and, and, um, and he'd gotten away from it. Uh, just because life got busy and things were happening. And he's like, I really feel God is calling me to do it again, to kind of get some of the the crew together that I used to do this with. And I think God can really use it. And I was like, that sounds awesome. And then he started talking to Pastor Charles about it. And now, you know, we've got this great event that's coming up. Now, one of the things Joel said to me a couple of weeks ago, he said, oh, Pastor Phil, we got to get you involved in this. (laughs) And I said, Joel, this is supposed to inspire people. Watching me like struggle to bench press 150 pounds is not going to be inspiring anybody. I will be there and I will be rooting you on, but I don't think you want me doing that. You know, I was at I came to uh, VBS this week. Uh, we had we we had uh, VBS run this whole week, and there were so many kids who came. And Marianne and her team did an incredible job, and they did it out in the parking lot. I uh, thought it might be a little bit easier, you know, with 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 COVID and all that, and and uh, had to rethink the way they do everything. And so when I came, it was. Just just so great seeing so many of you who were crew leaders who said, yeah, you know what? I want to spend a week of my summer helping kids know that God loves them and that he's for them and that God has a purpose for them. You know, I I want to see uh, that just exploding in our church. So many of you know your purpose and you're walking in it and God is using us to do some really, really great things. But God has something for each and every one of us. I just want to say to each, everyone who's sitting out here, you. God has designed you. God has given you gifts. God has given you abilities. There are good things that you ought to do that only you can do. Because God has wired you uniquely. God has made everybody different. And he's given you abilities. He's given you like a mix of gifts. And he's, and he's given you, you know, opportunities and relationships and situations that you're in where he wants to use you way more than you think he does. And we need to discover that. We need to walk it out. And it's so important to us. Like Christianity won't really totally work and make sense. If you're not walking in your purpose, that's like, you know what? There's so many people, like if you just kind of come to church sometimes and you listen to some things and it gives you a little bit of comfort, that's good. But that's the beginning. What God wants to do is he wants to lead you into the plans and purposes that he has for you. And it is so essential and so important. I got to tell you this, there is nothing better. There's nothing better than knowing that God is using you to make a difference in the world. Whatever scale it is, maybe it's for a couple people, maybe it's for hundreds of people, maybe it's for thousands of people, whatever it is, there's nothing like that. I've had the privilege in my life of doing some really cool things but there is nothing better, like literally, this isn't just like pastor speak. There literally is nothing better than seeing God use me to bring his love and his kingdom to someone else. To realize that in some way God used you to bring his kingdom on the earth. There's nothing like it. There's nothing better. It's, it's honestly, it's just the, it's the best feeling to know that that God is using you, that there are the the plans and purposes that he has for you, the good deeds that he's prepared in advance for you to do is what the Bible says. You discover them, and you walk them out and you realize, like Jesus said, it's a little mustard seed and you're like, I don't know what this little mustard seed is going to do. And then you give it time and you walk it out with God and all of a sudden it's like this huge tree that's kind of covering way more than you ever thought it could. That's what God wants to do in your life. And I'll tell you, as we as a church, as we lean into that, And as we, you know, as we collaborate and we synergistically kind of be the body of Christ and take all the different gifts and all the opportunities and all the passions and all the different things, we put it together in in just this big stew. I'm telling you, what God is going to do, no eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And I just believe that, that, you know, there's a verse in, in Acts about David and it talks about Peter's talking about David and he says, and, and he talks about David being faithful to his generation. And what that means is that God had a specific call for David thousands of years ago. And God has a specific call for you. There's something, as he, when he dreamed you up and he redeemed your life, there's a way that he wants to use you to make this life, make this world better, to bring his kingdom, to bring his love, to bring transformation. And it's really important. Jesus told this parable. It's called the Parable of the Talents. It's in Matthew chapter 25. And it's one of those parables that Jesus told that, like, you hear it and you're like, well, that, that seems kind of weird, that, or is that really fair? And so what he said is that there was this, like, you know, this wealthy dude who's kind of going away for a year. And he calls together some of his servants and he gave one guy like 10 bags of gold, you know, these, these talents of gold or these bags of gold. He Gave someone else five bags of gold, gave someone else two bags of gold, gave someone else one bag of gold. And then he came back like a year later. And so the guy that he'd given 10 bags or 10 talents to, the guy's like, well, here you go. I, you know what? I took the 10 and, and I did this thing and, and now there's 20. And then the guy who had five had 10, the guy who had two had four. Then he gets to the guy that he'd given the one talent of gold or the one bag of gold to. It says this in verse 24, Matthew 25, 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know that you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out Actually, that doesn't make any sense. I know that you're someone who harvests, and so, so I was afraid. So I, Anyway, it, not exactly a logical response to that truth. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where, where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so then, I returned, you would have received it back with interest. Maybe that worked a couple thousand years ago, but now banks offer negative interest, so that wouldn't really work today. But but he says, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And that may seem like, well, well, why do you take that, the one bag, and give it to the person who's got all the bags? Jesus just wants you to know. That it's a really big deal. You walking out your purpose, discovering your spiritual gift and walking it out and living on, you know, on purpose for a purpose is a really big deal. And he has so much for you. He has so much for you. And this is just a reminder to us and that, that, that we just kind of go into this next season. And I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you that there'll be no more excuses that we just say, okay, you know what, God, I am going to include you in everything. And if we include God in everything and we understand that, 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 that if it's his, we want his will and we want him to guide and direct our life, then what that's going to do is that's going to lead us to living for the right things, to living on purpose. And as we do that, no more excuses to say, God, I want to come into every, I'm not going to procrastinate. I'm not going to assume, make assumptions about tomorrow. You've given me today. God, how can I serve you today? And maybe some of you, you might might have a mindset that says, well, you know what? I don't know what God can do with me. I'm too young. You know, there was a guy named Timothy who was a disciple of Paul's. and, and, And I guess he struggled with that. And Paul said, don't let anybody look down on your youthfulness. No, God's going to use you. Like, don't, that's not an excuse. So you might feel like I'm too young. Or maybe you feel I'm too old. You know, listen, if you're retired... You've got a lot of time. Like you've got, you know, we all got to figure out how to juggle different responsibilities. You can just focus, this season of your life, you can focus on God and say, God, what do you you have for me? What do you want me to do? Don't say, well, I don't know enough. I got to know more of the Bible. No, no, be faithful with what you have and then God's going to give you more. Maybe you might say, I've messed up my life too much. There's too much tread on my tires. I don't know. Listen, God is going to redeem those broken areas of your life. See, this is what God does. I, I, I love, I just, I just love watching what God does. Because Satan comes into our life, right? He attacks us. And he thinks, okay, I've got this plan. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do this other thing, you know. And, and I'm going to mess up their life. And so he does it. And we go along with it. And our lives get messed up. And then God steps in, right? But God, he comes in and he redeems our life. And then he takes those very things those very things that Satan meant for evil and he turns it around and he, and he uses it for good. Those very ways, those, those sins that you've had, those ways that you blew up your life, those challenges, difficulties, you'll see that now God is going to use you to, to minister to people who've gone through the exact same thing. So not only, you know, Satan must just get very frustrated because not only is your life not destroyed, now because of what you've gone through, you're bringing life to countless other people. See, that's what God does. He redeems the years that the locusts have eaten. So no more excuses, no more presuming about tomorrow, no more living for the wrong things. Let's, let's just say, okay, God, you've given us today and I'm going to serve you with all that I am. And I just want to kind of throw out this challenge to some of you, because I think that there there's, you know, probably some people out there who maybe, you know what, there've been times in your life where God has really used you but for whatever reason, you know, circumstances or whatever it is, you've kind of found yourself a little bit on the shelf, maybe kind of drifting, kind of going through the motions. We're, we're coming upon uh, the fall. And uh, for those of you who've been around, you, you know that every fall we do something, we call it our life group campaign. And so for three months, uh, we, we all get on the same page, right? We've got all these small groups, these life groups. And, uh, and everybody, you know, studies the same thing. And so in your life groups, you talk about a certain, a certain topic that's going to help you grow in your faith. Uh, and then you're given like a workbook where you can do a little bit of work every day and, and kind of go deeper with it. Uh, my sermons will kind of line up with what it is that we're talking about. And so this fall, I'm really excited about what we're going to do. Uh, it's, some, it's different than what we've done in the past. We're going to center our fall life group campaign on that uh, television show, The Chosen. So you might have, you know, you probably have heard of it. You've heard me talking about it. The Chosen is an incredible show about the life of Jesus. And so there's eight episodes in season one. And so what we're going to do for our life groups, uh, episodes are like 30 to 40 minutes. And so so your life group's going to watch an episode together. And then we're going to have discussion questions for you to to, to discuss and talk about what it is that you're seeing. We found this great workbook that we're going to give to everybody that will enable you to do a little bit of work every day. You know, one, one week might be focusing on the calling of Peter. Another week is focusing on Nicodemus. Another week is focusing on healing. My sermons will line up with... the particular bible story that's being depicted i'm really excited about it because because if you haven't seen the chosen it's unlike any jesus show or movie that i've ever seen because it just makes jesus so real and just does such an incredible job of just making everybody like so relatable it's going to make you like love jesus more and really want to serve him so i'm excited about that i say all that all of this now because over the next couple of weeks We're going to be asking uh, those of you who've led life groups to continue, but we're going to be hoping and praying for a lot, a lot more, some, some new life group leaders. That some people will step up and say, hey, you know what? I think I want to do that. I think that I want, I want to be someone who can help other people grow in their faith. I want to be someone who can help connect people to Jesus and that I can really be there to pray with people and to help people. And so there's going to be an opportunity. We'll, and, and we make it when there, the campaign is going on, it, we kind of like lower the bar because we'll give you lots of material. We'll give you training. We'll walk you through it. And, and I think that for some of you specifically... God might be saying, hey, this is something that I have for you. And so don't make excuses. Don't look at your calendar and just say, no, it's not possible. Maybe at some point in the future, whatever it is you feel that God is leading you to do, let's have this upcoming year be a year where we say, we want all of it. We want all of it. We want everything that, we want to be greedy for the things, and we're not supposed to be greedy, right? But when it comes to the things that God has for us, the good works that He's prepared for us, let's get greedy about it. Let's say, God, I want to I want to increase my faith. I want to increase my vision. I want to give you all of the broken parts of my life and see what you're going to do with it because you are a wonder-working God. You are a miracle-working God, and I'm going to believe you for some really big things, and if you do that individually in your life, it's going to make a difference, and if We do that collectively as a church, man, we can change this whole region. Not because we're all about that, but because the power of the gospel is all about that. And as we really become the body and we focus on the body as the body, it can make all the difference. And so I'm excited about what God's going to be doing for so many reasons. There's so many, so many things I could talk about, about ways that God is showing up in our church and what He's up to. You know, if you're around, you know what they are. If you're not, hang around some more. Not only will you discover it, we'll figure out the role, the place that that you, the part that you can play in all of the incredible stuff that God is doing. All right, let's stand and let's pray. There's a couple of specific things I want to pray about today in response to what it is we've been talking about. And so let's just take a moment and just, just invite God to come and, and do his work. So come Holy Spirit. God, we bless your presence right now in this place. Lord, we just want to make room for you. We want to make space for you, God. We want to welcome you. So come, Lord. Have your way. More, Lord, I bless your presence see this right now this is not just like a way to close the service like God is here the Holy Spirit is here and he wants to minister to you he wants to help you one of the things that Jesus said and I think something he wants to do today right now is he said that if we we can take whatever burdens we're carrying and we can give them to him and then he we can give him our heavy burdens and he'll give us his burden which is light And so I want you to think about whatever it is, the the thing that's causing you stress in your life right now, the thing that you're anxious about, the thing about the future that you worry about, whatever it is. For some of you, it's job stuff. God, how am I going to provide for my family? what, What is it you have for me? Maybe for someone, it's a really difficult relationship. Maybe your your marriage is rough. Maybe there's someone that you really love that's struggling and you're just anxious about how you can help them and what's going on, whatever it is. Give it to Jesus right now. Give it to him. And maybe, listen, maybe you're here and you don't pray a lot. I want to challenge you. You, get, you got burdens. You got stuff you're carrying. Give him one of them. You can even say, Jesus, I don't even know if you're real. But if you are, please take this thing. And I think that he's going to come and take it. In a way that you realize, like, oh, wait, I'm feel, I feel a little bit lighter. This, this really made a difference. Maybe there's more to this Jesus thing than I realized. So, Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would come and that you would take burdens. That we would take what James is saying to us, not as a rebuke, but as an invitation. As an invitation to live a more abundant life with you in the center, free of anxiety and fear, living on purpose for a purpose. God, that's what we want. So we give you our anxiety. We give you our fear. So come, Holy Spirit. Lord, move in this room right now in Jesus' name. I bless your presence. I pray that it would increase, God, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just pray for all the gifts, God, the incredible talents of gold that are here in this room and and here online. Lord, I pray that it would increase. I pray that the gifts and the abilities that you've given us, Lord, the opportunities that you've given us would increase. I pray that it would multiply right now in Jesus' name. I pray for gifts of leadership that it would increase. Some of you, you know your leaders You've always been a leader. Like when you were a kid, and when all your friends were like, What should we do? They always look to you just because you're a leader. And maybe you've been using your leadership like out there, but you've never really thought, How can I use that for God? I think God is, is, is increasing gifts of leadership right now to be used for his kingdom. Gifts of teaching, gifts of mercy, gifts of hospitality gifts of healing. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would multiply and increase all the gifts that are here so that we as a body, as a people, would live for your glory like never before, God. More, Jesus. More. And I just, you know what? I think that there's maybe more than a couple where there was a time in your life where you were living for God's purposes, but you've let the worries of this world, like Jesus talked about, you let the, the, the weeds and the thorns kind of grow up in your life and choke the word and make it unfruitful. And maybe one of the ways that that's been manifesting in some lives is you've just been a little bored. Like you've just been finding life boring. You watched all the shows on Netflix and you're like, oh, what's next? And God says, I have something for you. Come back. Come back. Remember. Remember the joy that you had when you were serving me. Remember the joy when when I was right there at the center. Return to me and I'll return to you. And so I think for some of you, God is inviting you to kind of get off the shelf. And he's got things for you. So if you feel God stir that up, just say yes. Just say yes in your heart. Say, okay, God, okay. I'm not going to run anymore. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to procrastinate. Lord, today, I'm going I'm to follow you. And you know what? Listen, if you're, if you're here and, and you have never given your life to Jesus, maybe one of the reasons you never gave your life to Jesus is you just thought, well, it means I can't do this, can't do that, can't do that. No, that's a lie. That's not what it's about. It's about God wanting to give you an abundant life. And it's about God wanting that he made you unique and you have a purpose and he wants to lead you into that purpose and he wants you to discover the incredible things that he has for you. But the reality is your life is a vapor, your life is a mist. And you can live life not mourning that you're getting mail from AARP, (laughs) but, but embracing whatever season of life you're in because you know that if Jesus is in your life you're going to live forever. And this life is just the beginning. And you don't have to be afraid. And so if you're ready to do that, I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to it's a prayer of commitment and surrender to Jesus. You don't have to say it out loud, you can just say it in your heart between you and God. But I just I think that there's there's a couple of you right now that like the Holy Spirit is just like knocking on the door of your heart. And you feel your heart beating a little bit faster because God is saying, let me in. So if you're ready to let him in, just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I've been planning my life and doing my life on my own terms. But now I want you in my life. And so I ask that you forgive all of my sins and that you live inside of me through your Holy Spirit. I want to know the purpose for which you created me. and So I accept your free gift of salvation. And from here on out, you're in charge. You're the Lord of my life. Lead me into the life that you have for me. And just keep your eyes closed. But if you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. Let me know just so I can just see. Just raise your hand if you prayed that prayer. Okay, awesome. Awesome. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. If you text follow to 201 584 I'm going to send you an email this week. We can, you know, it'd just be an email just kind of encouraging you. And if that's all you want, you can read the email. But if you want, if you email me back, I'll, we can go back and forth. We can, you know, answer any questions you might have. I can pray for you, whatever's going on in your life. Just want to support you because the decision to follow Jesus is the most important decision you can make in your life. And so if you made that decision this week, we want to help you. All right, we're going to open up the uh, the prayer ministry time. Prayer ministry people are going to be over here to my right. And uh, and and God, I think, has been moving and working. Maybe it has something to do with anxieties that you've been feeling, giving Jesus your burdens. Maybe it has something to do with your calling, what you feel God has for you. Whatever it might be, whatever your need is this morning, let somebody pray with you. Let somebody just kind of bless what God is doing and go a little bit deeper into what God is up to uh, this morning with you. You can just come right over here to the right and pray. Uh, my right, and somebody will uh, will be really happy to spend a couple moments praying with you. All right, God bless you guys. So good to be back with you. Have a wonderful week, and uh, we'll see you next week.